Tonight I'd like to look at a verse of scripture in the first epistle of John, in chapter 2. And uh, there are some that used to believe in limited atonement, that by some of their beliefs appears that they no longer believe in limited atonement, and a lot of people don't believe in limited atonement. This means that Jesus Christ died for a certain limited number of people and not for everybody. And uh, we call that a limited atonement. And I said many don't uh, believe that. But uh, it, again, it appears that some that used to believe that, uh, it appears they no longer believe that. So we want to look at this. And uh, in uh, 1 John 2 and 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So when you uh, just look at that, uh, it appears that it's not limited atonement. It, appear, it would appear, face value, that uh, paid for the sins of the whole entire world. But, uh, you know, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And we talk about that and we say, well, that's for the world of God's elect. That's the world it's speaking of. But what do we say about this? I, I want to believe, know, and teach the truth. If there's something that, that uh, I am in error on, I certainly would want to repent from that. So what does this, what does this mean? And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So you say, well, it sounds like that he paid for the sins of, of everyone. Uh, and if that were true, limited atonement would not be true. But what is true? We want to be in the truth. We don't want to hold to something just because that's what we believe or what we have believed. So we want to know what the truth is. We want to understand it. We want it to make sense to us that we understand this. So what, what does this mean? And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So the word propitiation means atonement. Uh, so is Jesus Christ atonement for every person that ever has been on the face of the earth? Or is limited atonement that I have believed for many years? Or is that true? Is it limited atonement? Or is it unlimited atonement for everybody without exception? And again, reading this face value, I know what it appears to say. But does that fit with the rest of the scriptures? So I want to read some scriptures. And... Uh, and ask some questions. 
Gospel of John, chapter 6, a familiar scripture, scripture that I love and, and I uh, talk about frequently. So we want to compare scriptures with scripture. No scripture, uh, it says no scripture is of any private interpretation. So we want to compare scripture with scripture uh, to see that it does agree and we're not taking something out of context. So John chapter 6 and verse 37, a very familiar, very comforting scripture. Jesus says, And all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And I love that verse 39 is there, because if verse 39 wasn't there, we'd say, well, in verse 38, I came down from heaven uh, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me would say, well, exactly what was the will of him that sent me? Boy, this tells us, doesn't it? And this is the Father's will who has sent me, that of all that he hath given me, I should lose nothing. So, we see here that uh, uh, he said, I, I won't lose anything that the Father gave me. And this is the Father's will. The Father sent him, and he said, I come to do the will of the Father, and this is the will of the Father, that everyone he has given me, I will lose nothing. Is this true? Well, I guess first I should say, is our text true? Uh, not for our sin, but for the sins of the whole world. Well, of course that's true. But is this true? So we might ask another question here. Are some going to be lost? Is there a lake of fire? And that's where some of this um, is coming in. Some people no longer believe there is a lake of fire. A big discussion on um, what they believe on that. But anyway, some believe there's, there's, there's not a lake of fire. So, but I think most believe that, yes, there is a lake of fire, and people will be there along with Satan and, and a, a false prophet, etc. So if there's going to be some individuals there, and Jesus said, I come to do the Father's will, all that he give me, I should lose nothing. Then did Jesus fail? If, he's, if he is atonement for every human being that ever was and will be on the face of the earth, and there's going to be some in the lake of fire, then did he fail? And we know the answer to that. Our Lord didn't, has never failed. Our Heavenly Father will never fail. So we know that's true. He, he, he never failed. And John, we won't go there, but John chapter 17, the, uh, what we call uh, one of the Lord's prayers, very comforting. But in there, he says, he's talking about the ones that the Father gave him. And he says, I pray for them. And he says, I don't pray for the world. 
That's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, makes a statement that says, I don't pray for the world. Then is he disobedient from the Father? He says, I come to do the Father's will, but yet makes a very statement. I don't pray for the world. I pray for the ones that the Father gave me, but I don't pray for the world. So is, surely we don't say that Jesus Christ is disobedient. But he doesn't pray for the world. We won't go there either, but Matthew chapter 13, we've studied that a lot. But the Lord's teaching, and his disciples says, Lord, how can you speak in parables? And they could see that some of these Jews and people was not understanding what he was saying. They understood but they said, Lord, you don't, I can just hear Peter, Lord, why don't you spit it out plainly? Why do you speak in parables? And his answer is difficult for some to believe. The answer was, and I'll not quote it uh, exactly, of course, but he said, well, he said, blessed are your ears and your eyes because you hear and you see. But in them... And seeing they don't see, and hearing they don't hear. And he said, I speak in parables, so because I don't want them to see, I don't want them to hear, I don't want them to be converted. I don't want to heal them. Again, that's Jesus Christ. Is he a disobedient son, or is he still in agreement with the Father? You know, we read, I and the Father are one. They're one in agreement. So, for him to say, I speak in parables so that these will not hear, will not see, will not understand, will not be converted, and I won't hear them or heal them. Has to be the Father's will, too. He wasn't disobedient to Terry. He came to do the Father's will. And the Father's will... All that the Father gave him, he'll lose nothing. But yet he prayed not for the whole world. Was he disobedient? And the answer has to be no. We know he wasn't disobedient. He spoke in parables so some would not hear, some would not be healed. So then our text says... And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Can't we at least admit there's something that seems odd about this. He's a propitiation that says for our sins, but not ours only, but for the whole world. But yet we see Jesus Christ, the obedient Son of God, says, I don't pray for the world. So... We have to admit, something seems a little odd here. Something maybe we haven't been understanding correctly if we're looking at it just by face value. Something seems, we have to admit, something seems a little odd here. Let me ask this. You remember the original Passover. Was it for the whole world? Or just those Israelites that he was going to bring out? The Passover lamb, the original. Of course, they celebrated it every year. 
But that Passover lamb, was it for the whole world at that time? Was it for the Egyptians? Anybody else? Just for God's elect of Israel. It was limited just for God's elect. It wasn't for the whole world without exception or even the Egyptians. The tabernacle in the wilderness. And then later, after they come over uh, and uh, over Jordan and came into the land of promise, tabernacle, and then, then they built the temple, of course. It still had the furnishings of the tabernacle in there. But was it for the whole world? Not just anyone could go in there. Not just anyone could offer those sacrifices. It wasn't for the whole world. It was for God's elect people, Israel, at that time. That's who it was for. The Pharisees, uh, one time, they were discussing, and these were unbelieving Pharisees. And they said, we've got to do something. said, the whole regarding Jesus, said, the whole world's following him. We've got to do something. Was every human being on the face of the earth following him? Well, no. But there was a lot of people following him. So, as we look at that word, world, let's, well, let's see if we can understand what it means. So, it means orderly arrangement. That's what it means. So you can see it could be used in a number uh, of uh, different instances. We could say there's an insect world, orderly arrangement. There's a microscopic world. Sometimes I'm fascinated when we see some of those things like that. Uh, there's a, a racing world. There's a fishing world. There's a golfing world. There's a world of Satan's followers. There's, and there, there is a world of God's elect. Orderly arrangements. So don't put more in it than what it is. It doesn't have to mean every human being on the face of the earth. Orderly arrangement. So we can have different worlds, and we do. So we read there in, in John 6 that all that the Father gave the Son, he would lose nothing. We know there's some going to be, I don't know if it's the correct terminology, some lost. Well, we know there's some going to be in the lake of fire. We know that. So if Jesus said, all that the Father gave me, or gives me, gave me, I'll lose nothing, and I suppose there's, there's two possibilities there. Either Jesus failed or the Father didn't give him everyone without exception. That's the two possibilities. What do you think it is? Jesus didn't fail. So our Father in his infinite wisdom didn't give him everyone. Uh... And then, couldn't we say this? The ones that the Father did give the Son, couldn't we say that is an orderly arrangement? That is a world? The ones the Father gave the Son, that's, that is a world. 
And, and the word fits fine there. That's an orderly arrangement. That, that's a particular world. So we can have the world of Satan's followers. We can have the world of God's elect. So to try to address this, and again, you have to say it kind of something seems kind of odd when he says, it says, he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. But yet we've seen scriptures. He doesn't pray for the whole world. And apparently, God didn't give him the whole world because he's, he's not going to lose anything the Father gave him, yet some are going to be in the lake of fire. So the only answer is God didn't give him every, everyone. And I'll say, God didn't give him the whole world without exception. But again, you see, there's, there can be different worlds. And there is different worlds. If you would ask the first believing Jews. Now, we know some of them didn't believe, and some of them still don't. But the first believing Jews, as, as, the, uh, uh, the God, as Jesus Christ came and the gospel was, was being taught, the first believing Jews. If you would uh, ask them, what do you think about the Gentiles? I'm talking about the early, the early on, the, Jesus Christ came teaching, and then we had the disciples and, and the first church and everything. And then the first believing Jews, if you would ask him, now, what do you think about the Gentiles? They would have said, well, Gentiles are dogs. Jesus Christ is salvation for the Jews only. That's what they would have said. Jesus Christ is atonement for the Jews. And, and for how many years? It was what? The God of Israel. For many years, the God of Israel, that's what we heard. It wasn't the God of these other nations. Of course, he was, he was supreme God and everything. But he was the God of Israel for all these years. So these early believing Jews would have said, Jesus Christ is a propitiation for the Jews, not for those dogs. That's what they would have said. We won't go there, I don't think. In Galatians, it's recorded. Uh, actually, I don't think it is Galatians. Well, well, maybe it is. But anyway, yes, in Galatians. So we have recorded there, uh, Paul had a, the Lord had it recorded on our behalf. But Peter was down here uh, teaching and he was eating and fellowshipping with the Gentiles. That was, just a few years ago, dogs. But Peter was eating with them and so forth. And he was fine with that. But then there were certain Jews coming down from Jerusalem. 
And Peter withdrew from the Gentiles. See, that would have been unlawful under the law of Moses. That would have been unlawful for Peter to do. But they were being taught different now. Not the law of Moses. But when those believing Jews were coming down from Jerusalem, Peter separated himself. And Paul said, I was stood into the face because uh, he was to be blamed. Well, see, what was wrong with that? Basically, maybe without saying a word, he was teaching, oh, we're still under the law of Moses. I'm not supposed to be with those people. So Paul was stood into the face because he was to be blamed. But we see something else about Peter. In Acts chapter 10, let's go back there. Acts chapter 10. And uh, so we have something here, and, and uh, again, it, it's familiar. So we have Peter. Poor feller. They was too slow fixing his meals, and he went up on the roof, and he was just about starved to death. So he was up there, and he was very hungry. So he was up there on the roof, and he fell asleep and had a vision. God caused him to have a vision. And, and, and what did he see? So remember, Peter was hungry. So coming down from heaven in what appeared like to be a, a, a big sheet was all these unclean animals. Peter was hungry, and God said, kill and eat. He said, well, I've never eaten anything unclean. And let's uh, go to verse 28. I probably should have read more, but to save time, I won't. Go to verse 28, and uh, it says, And he said unto them, you know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So God, by this parable, or well, this vision he calls him to see, that no, it's not uh, unclean. Uh, so he was uh, speaking to Cornelius and his family. And in verse, uh, let's go all the way over to verse 44. But again, see, Peter uh, had believed that, that the Gentiles were dogs, were unclean. So by this vision, God calls him to see that it wasn't that, that wasn't the case. So verse 44, while Peter, and this was, he was speaking to these Gentiles, and I should have read more of this, but he was speaking uh, to these Gentiles. Cornelius and his family came there. And, uh, and so he had been preaching to these Gentiles then. And we'll pick it up in verse 44. While Peter yet spoke the words, he had been preaching to them, speaking the words, the Holy Spirit fell on all them who heard the word. These were Gentiles, I remind you. Formerly dogs. Unclean. But as Peter 
woke up from this vision, who was at the door? But Cornelius had sent for him, Gentiles. So while Peter yet spoke these words, while he had been preaching to them, the Holy Spirit fell on all them who heard the word. And they are the circumcision. This is the, would have been the uh, Jews, Israelites. And they are the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, these were dogs. And they were amazed. So, Peter had been taught something. The Gentiles, they're not dogs after all. The atonement is not for the Jews only. In uh, Romans 11, I think gives us a good picture of this as well. Romans 11 so, uh, verse 11, I say then, have they stumbled, and this was the Jews, have the Jews stumbled, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Is that the reason they stumbled, just so they would fall? Is that, is that it? God forbid. It wasn't just so they would fall. Have they stumbled? Have the Jews stumbled uh, that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. So through their stumbling or falling of the Jews, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And I think that was one of the things we discussed downstairs on Wednesday night a little bit. Uh, is God going to take Israel back? Because he has given them, given her a temporary bill of divorcement. And we have scriptures showing that uh, uh, certainly he's going to take her, take her back. Uh, and then in verse 12. Now if the fall of them... Be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. So we had Jews and Gentiles, or Jews and the world. So those outside of the Jewish community, I'll say, was referred to by the Jews as the world. It's the Jews and the world, or Jews and the Gentiles, or Jews and the dogs. That's how they looked at it. But in our text, we have John saying, and he is the propitiation for our sins. John was a Jew. And he is a propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. 
not just for the Jews only, but for the Gentiles. Plainly, the Lord certainly taught Peter that in a way, didn't he? Oh, the Gentiles aren't unclean. Uh, through the fall of the Jews, the salvation came to the Gentiles. So the, the believing Jews at that time need to be taught this because it hadn't been this way before. Now, God didn't, God didn't change his mind. This was God's plan all along. But there was a change in direction here, or there was a change, but God didn't change his mind. It was, this is was God's plan all along. So there was a change as we would look at it, but it was God's planned change. Uh, Paul addressed this more than once. Let's go to, to Romans chapter 1. But Paul uh, addressed this uh, different times. Romans chapter 1. Uh, Romans 1 and verse 14. I'm a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise, to the unwise, and to the unwise. So as much as, is, as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentiles. So he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And, and maybe I'll put a little side note here. It says, for it is the power of God to salvation. Now, let me say this, state this. The words that I speak to you, or the words written on this page, I mean, this ink and this paper, and, and the words coming out of my mouth, that doesn't save anybody. But what the Scripture talks about, and talking about Jesus Christ, talking about the plan of the Father and Jesus Christ. So that's what the gospel is. The gospel is not just what I'm speaking. It's, it's, so the words I'm speaking doesn't save anybody. But the gospel, what is the gospel? It's about Jesus Christ. That's salvation Jesus Christ and that's what the gospel is it's not me speaking it or these words it's Jesus Christ he is our salvation that's what the gospel is Jesus Christ we can say death burial resurrection of course it goes beyond that but we can say that but that's salvation not the uh, me just speaking things and you have to hear that Jesus Christ and God's carrying out God's plan of salvation that's the salvation. Uh, power of God to salvation. And it says, I'm going to read that again. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth. Who's going to believe? All that was ordained to eternal life believed. To the Jew first and also to the Greek or also to the Gentiles. So, once again, our text said, and he is a propitiation for our sins. We have a Jew stating that, Israelite, John. And he is a propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Also for the Greek, also for the Gentiles, also for them that we previously called dogs. So, who or what was atonement for sin? Because that's what it is. He's a propitiation. He's atonement. Who or what was atonement for sin in the period of the Mosaic Law? What was atonement for sin then? He told them to give a half shekel of silver. Everyone's 20 years and older. As atonement for your sin. Was that half shekel of silver? Did they buy their salvation? Was that atonement? Was that remission of sins? No, all that was the picture of Jesus Christ. So even through the Mosaic era, Jesus Christ is always the only atonement for sins. And the sacrifices, the blood sacrifices, all that along with that half shekel silver was all just pointing to Jesus Christ. He's always been the propitiation of sins. It's never been silver. It's never been the blood of bulls and goats. It's always been Jesus Christ. In the time of Abraham, what was the propitiation? What was the atonement for sins? Jesus Christ. In the time of Noah, what was the atonement for sins? Jesus Christ. In Adam's time, what was the atonement for sins? Jesus Christ. He's, he's the, is the only, he's always been, and the only atonement for sins. So Jesus Christ is atonement for the Jews, but not the Jews only. He's atonement for Adam. He's atonement for Noah, for Abraham, for Gentiles, even those half-breeds in Samaria, as they were called. He's atonement for them. And he's your atonement. Nothing else can, can pay as atonement for your sins. So, when we read this in our lesson, and he is the propitiation for our sins, this Jew says. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So, uh, the atonement was not for everybody without exception. But for all the world that was to have atonement, Jesus Christ was that atonement because he is the only atonement. So, uh, what, is, what this is simply saying, and it needed to be taught to those Jews. Paul, Paul addressed it. But this needed to be taught to the Jews. Yes, uh, Jesus Christ is atonement for the Jews. 
but also for the Gentiles, also for the Greeks, also for those that we thought was dogs. Peter found it out. So, is it a limb atonement? Yes. It's not for everyone without exception. Well, how do you know that? Because I know there's going to be some in the lake of fire. And if Jesus Christ atoned their sins, they wouldn't be there. And I get, you know, we, I guess our curiosity, we can't help but thinking, well, you know, who's going to heaven and who's not? And what about this person? What about the person that does this? And what about this? The answer's easy. The ones he atoned for their sins won't be in the lake of fire. The ones that he didn't atone for their sins will be in the lake of fire. May the Lord bless us speaking of his word. We're dismissed.